Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We have always had, since the day we settled here, a gentle understanding with the creatures who live beyond our borders. We do not stray into their woods. They do not come to our village. I have always pictured them in some ways as our protectors. They have allowed us to live here, nestled amongst them in this untouched place. By the markings we find this morning on our homes, I feel they were warning us. Hey there, and welcome to Rewatchability. We are a podcast on the Entertainment One Podcast Network. My name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is... Robert Larone. And today we are talking about M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. And you know, indeed. I, I, uh, yes. Part, old timey speak. Partner. Uh, yeah, we need to work on our improv skills, <laughs> our ye old improv skills. But uh, we, we're talking about The Village. Speaking of ye old, M. Night Shyamalan came out with a new movie called Old. Mm, that's true. Have you seen it yet? No. No. No, me neither. But that's a great reason to be watching The Village, isn't it? <laughs> to prepare ourselves for old? For being old. Yeah. I assume it's his second period piece. I haven't seen any trailers for old, but I assume it's set in in the 1600s as well or something. Come on. You know what it's about. It's about, like, the beach that makes you old. <laughs> uh, they didn't have beaches in old-timey times because of the modesty, I, you know? I feel like a beach makes me feel younger, and Ikea makes me feel old. I, I don't... I feel <laughs> like you should have said it in an Ikea or a playground. So we're going to talk about the village, but first we want to thank our Patreons. Those are people that go to patreon.com slash rewatchability, and they give us one, three, five dollars um, a month, and that's just to help us keep our equipment in check pay us for it helps us fend time. off 
those that cannot be named. We actually... The bill collectors. <laughs> the bill collectors. In Canada, the $50 bill is red. So we we mm-hmm. only... The bag color. We, yeah, we only... That's why I've been avoiding it. <laughs> we only deal in hundreds, which is yellow, which is the, the good color. No, but if you go there and give like uh, $135, that would be great. That would help support mm-hmm. us. But if you can't give money, we understand because... There was a global pandemic and no one worked for a long while and you might not have any money. So just tell someone about the podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Tell someone about the podcast if you can't give anything and you like our podcast and you want to support us. That's a great way of of doing it, sharing a post or or telling someone. Um, Absolutely. Do a social media thing. Yeah. And you can tell your friends because you live in the present day. And you can text them or something. Let's get into this movie. Rob... When did you first see The Village? Okay, Blaine. I think it's pretty obvious that I never saw The Village. (laughs) Okay. Why would I? M. Night Shyamalan, he came right out of the gates with The Sixth Sense. He was a big, huge success. And then there was Unbreakable, which was a lesser success, but in my mind, like almost a perfect movie. I I don't think that there's... I mean, it's it's great. And I, I thought that I was on board... The M. Night Shyamalan train forever after that, you know, like what wrong could he do? But then he did like signs and then the village and he just became like such a joke. Yeah, that, you know, I I just totally checked out. It seemed like there was nothing. It seemed like I got everything that I could get from him. Like there's going to be a twist. It'll be some sort of riff on a genre. And that's all you need to know. So I skipped it. And, you know, I heard I heard about the twist. I heard what the twist was, the the big thing. And so I felt like I didn't need to see it, mm. you know? Yeah, fair enough. I should just say yeah. right now that we're going to spoil that that twist. That's not – I'm going to say it's not quite a twist. I don't know. Right. It's, it's, it's like less a twist and more of a slow reveal over many minutes in this movie. That's true. That's true. And I think that's one of the reasons why I thought it would be good to watch – now finally as well like first of all i don't care about twists yeah. you know like what happens in a movie is what happens in a movie it tilts it still tells the same story if you know what is going to happen at the end mm-hmm. you know it, yeah you can still enjoy it i still enjoy movies and things that i know what that are going to happen at the end so yeah i wanted to give this one a second chance you know maybe there is something to appreciate about this village yeah and I, you know, I, I had been reading up a lot on Roger Deakins and listening to interviews with him about his cinematography. And so this is kind of one of the lesser known Roger mm-hmm. Deakins films. Like, he, it's not a Coen Brothers movie, you know. Um, so just watching it again. Well, it's lesser known that he worked on. Yes. It. Like, probably because he didn't advertise the fact. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I did the video. Yeah. But he, man... He should be proud. This is this is one pretty movie in a lot of ways, and it's it's a yeah. big. I you know there are some really nice pictures. Yeah, for sure, and they move sometimes. Um, so I yeah I wanted to watch it for that reason, but I also Rob I loved M Night Shyamalan. Man. Loved him. Right. I bought into all the hype. Here it comes. The new Hitchcock, the new Spielberg rolled into one, and I enjoyed. And liked the village, you know, oh, okay. it wasn't as good as as Signs, which wasn't as good as Unbreakable, which was, you know, on par with Sixth Sense. I it wasn't great. You like diminishing returns. 
<laughs> um, so I, 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 there's so many jokes. I just can't pick one. Um, anyway, yes, I, I do. That's why I, I, <laughs> I, I like this movie, but I think that, that it, it did that everyone, the expectations of everyone going into this movie was going to be, there's a, a big twist and reading up on it. A lot of people have said, and I agree with them, that the advertising did did not much to help these expectations going into this movie. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's a good one to rewatch. This is like a movie that that really helped me separate actors in my mind. You know, like everyone talked about how Adrian Brody <laughs> was like such an amazing actor and. He came off the Oscars and stuff, and and then in the pianist, and, and then this happened, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like I'll, I don't think I'll ever watch another Adrian Brody right. movie. And then he was in Ryan Johnson's uh, second yeah. movie, and I was no, like, oh, I mean Adrian it. Brody's good. He's good. He's okay. I think he's good. I like him in in a lot of things. in this movie, but um, in this movie he's not great. Uh, in this movie, no. There are a few things that are not great about this. <laughs> this movie helped Simple Jack become like a meme. So I, yeah, I, you know what though? I love the way that Simple Jack dies. I that is like a good performance. I was like, wow, that is that looks like somebody dying. Good job, Adrian. You know Brody. what? But he probably just wanted to get out of that character as fast <laughs> as possible. <laughs> he he really. I, I I agree with you on that. It was one of the things I was going to bring up. His death scene is so good. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's so simple and it's great. Mm-hmm. So, but then it kind of, you know, I liked Joaquin Phoenix in Signs and Gladiator. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe he's not so great. But Signs and this, I think he does a great job. But Bryce Dallas Howard was the one that was kind of put on my radar from this movie. This is the first thing I saw her in. And I think, she- <laughs> wait, wait, Joaquin Phoenix from The Master, from her. From all these amazing performances, you're like, yeah, he's like, you know, fucking gladiator. And whereas <laughs> the Howard Scion from Jurassic Park, Lost World, whatever it is, you know, she's the one that was on your radar. Okay, wait, I got it. She's the one that was on your radar. Okay. Right? Okay. Like you had a Look crush on her. Like, like a you- bit, yes. But I also, having moved past that crush... I think she's a great actor and I think she's a solid director and I think that that she's, you know, what did she direct? Fucking some things. Why did like her dad like, you know, help <laughs> have her help with his chores or something? No, I thought she did. Hey honey, I'm going to do one of these angels and demons. Do you want to help me out on this? I thought she did an episode of Black Mirror, uh the nosedive episode. Oh, maybe. I mean, okay. I mean, you know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, so that the kids of Hollywood directors can't direct. No, she's, and I think she did a Mandalorian episode. Like, I think she did stuff. Okay. okay? She's basically uh, Sofia Coppola. Yeah, she did two episodes of Mandalorian. She, and she's doing some Boba Fett stuff. Okay, so she didn't do any Black Mirror that, cool. <laughs> that was my and and how did she get a job with those star wars people does her dad have any connections there i don't i don't know it must have been through her godfather henry winkler he di- he directed that i movie. understand rob i okay, i whatever. i i know what you're saying and i feel the same way about 
pretty much everyone in Hollywood right now. <laughs> Every, I feel like anyone in Hollywood you look at, you're like, hey, like, wh- why are they in the biz? And then you look at their, like, dad or mom or brother or, like, something. Like, yeah, I'm just- most people in this film. I'm just pissy about it because there was a meme about it today that was like, you know, Spielberg's daughter and Sean Penn's son and Stephen King's kid are all getting together. <laughs> it's like that, like, you know, Wilson Phillips band, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. And that's fair. And and I I hate it. I hate it, too, being a, a But that doesn't myself. take away from their talents. It's just, it's true. you know. Yeah. It's true, but it's uh, it's definitely it makes anyway. it harder for people <laughs> that uh, that have talent and no connections to to you know to to know yeah. that's the reality anyway, or no talent and no connections. Give us a chance. <laughs> Who knows? Might just work out. So anyway, I I liked I liked this movie when it first came out after punishing myself by seeing every one of M. Night Shyamalan's movies, although I think I did leave halfway through the airbender because I was I saw it at a, at a drive-in <laughs> and I was mobile. <laughs> so I was like, I could just drive out of here. Right. So I I wanted to reevaluate this one and I think there is some present context and some context at the time that like leads us to to be able to see this movie in, in some new light if we want to. It invites us into that, but we'll talk about that later okay. in the podcast. First, Rob, do you mind doing the Rob's rundown? Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't, it seems a little bit technologically advanced for this particular village. It should maybe just be like a walk slow through, you know? <laughs> okay. A village if, if tour. You, if you, you want to do the town crier thing through this whole thing, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Inhabitants of the village, cling cling. <laughs> wait, wait. Um, okay, so is that the bell, or was the village's name cling cling? Isn't that Adrian Brody's character? Oh no, oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so the village. The village. It starts with this village. I mean, we see it, we through the credits. It's coming through the woods, and it's all spooky. And the trees, there's branches, and they look like arms, and it's. It's real scary stuff. But then we get to this village, and it seems like it's not a great place. Like, immediately, the first thing that we see is somebody burying their child. There's, like, a man <laughs> doubled over a small casket. We're like, oh, stick to the city. <laughs> I thought there was going to be, like, a and b situation, not a whole, you know, child's <laughs> coffin. That is not... Uh... It's an R.I.P. situation. It's awful. Yeah, and all That's because right. that That's and all right. because that poor little kid got a sunburn and they had to kill him because of the bad color. <laughs> oh my god. It's awful. That's terrifying. Plus these people are all awful pale as well, but we'll get to that. But so this is the village and there's stuff happening in it. I mean, it's a vaguely old-timey place, mm-hmm. you know. It's hard to sort of figure out where in history it belongs. Nobody's wearing a cowboy hat, but there are lots of, like, top hats. There's no bonnets, but everybody's, like, wearing, you know, old-timey dresses. Sure. Maybe the word gingham could apply. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, or if you if you look close to that gravestone, you see that it's 1890, I think. 1894 or something? 64. Oh, yeah, it? there's a gravestone that says that. Okay. But it's fine. It could be easily okay. missed. I may, okay. But, like... 
you know, we're used to films in period pieces like giving us the 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 you know the the title the credit like in the title credits or you know a Chiron right. of it like Chiron or be somebody character being like ah the war with the southern states is happening <laughs> right yeah yeah exactly and th- that explains why we're all so white nope <laughs> <laughs> but there's stuff happening in this village there is uh, a guy played by Joaquin Phoenix his name is Lucius Hunt and one of the young ladies who is like the daughter of the mayor is in love with this person and sort of like declares in this sort of foolish girly way that she's in love with him and she wants to marry him and all of that stuff and if he loves her back then they shouldn't hide it any longer i love you lucius i love you like the day is long i love you more than the sun and the moon together and if you feel the same way then we should not hide it any longer it's a gift love is we should be thankful we should bellow it out with all the breath in our lungs thank you thank you Thank you! <laughs> and uh, this is this is Kitty from Arrested Development. She's like, if you say no, you can say goodbye to these. <laughs> and he's like, can we close the door and turn the lights off? Blow the lanterns out? Uh, that'd be great. She She's also named Kitty in this. It's weird. It's a weird coincidence. Yeah. Also, it's weird. I mean... I have never really seen her in a dramatic role before, mm-hmm. though I know that she's done a few. But yeah. Uh, anyway, well, and this is the, this is the first and and like and maybe only laugh in the entire movie. Yeah, where she is professing her love to him, and then it cuts to her weeping the next scene because he has rejected her advances. There's like one other funny part in this movie, but that's, I mean, Mm -hmm. deliberately funny part in this movie, but that's it. Yeah. But we find out there's a reason that Joaquin Phoenix isn't really into her. That's because he's into her sister, (laughs) that old story, played by Bryce Dallas Howard. And she is a lovely young woman who happens to be blind. And so, you know, she uses a cane, like an old-style cane, to get around. But she doesn't seem to have any problems. And also, she has this mysterious thing where she says that she can see certain people who have, like, colors. And, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is one of them, and also her dad is one of them. And she teases Joaquin Phoenix later by saying that, uh, well, by pretending that he's asking what color she sees for him and... uh she won't say, but you know she's flirting with him, and he is very <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, doesn't he's just know how to socialize or respond with people. I assume that's what Joaquin Phoenix is actually like, because this is the character <laughs> he plays in every. Yeah, movie. he's just dancing, trying to expose his spine as much as possible as she's trying to come on. To- no, no, he's he's not playing the Joker <laughs> here. But uh, yeah, he is like every other every other Joaquin Phoenix right. character in this movie. The, the kind of strong, silent type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he is especially silent in this movie. That is one of the things he's noted for. And yeah, there's a bunch of other people in this village. We got like all the elders. There's like Sigourney Weavers there. She's cool. And then there is Adrian Brody, who 
you know, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what like real world thing we're supposed to like compare this to, but he is, he's simple. He's simple. And, you know, he's, <laughs> he's a childlike sort of character and he doesn't, he's the only one who sort of doesn't understand like the meticulous rules that this village sort of has because this village it's a little bit strict, you know. This ain't, uh, you know, it's not like the village here in Toronto, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot more dour. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot more. There's a lot for more one colors. Thing, in, for in one thing, village. one particular color is not allowed. <laughs> one particular color is not allowed, and that is the color red, which is everybody just calls the bad mm-hmm. color. To the point where some kids see a little flower growing. And it happens to be red, and they tear it up, and they bury it in the ground, which is where the flower came from. So, you know, I don't know if that's a very effective <laughs> way of getting rid of this color. Are they just, like, replanting it? What are they What are they doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's also weird that, you know, like, the that whole family has red hair. They're like, well, that's cool. That's That's fine. Right. <laughs> but the other red colors. Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard. I mean, they should be burying her underground. <laughs> it, would be, it would be great Sorry. if she was just bald, bald Sorry, for the entire movie. They're like, that's because we can't let the the bad color grow on you. But that's just ginger right. hate. Right. You it's know? more of an orangey sort of uh, hue. But regardless, yeah. But so that's the village. I mean, they're all living in this isolated place. They, they're not allowed to go into the forest. They stick to the village because there are these creatures out there, these uh, things that they do not name. That's what they call them. And as long as they stay over here, and they, then these creatures won't come and mercilessly slaughter them all. But there is some fucked up stuff going on in the mm. village. Like, they keep on finding like animals, like skins. Like I think there's a chihuahua. Is that a chihuahua? <laughs> Maybe it's a piglet. Yo, I don't know. It was Bella. hard to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a fox. It's a baby fox, I think, that they carved up. Right, right. That makes sense. More that more sense than the chihuahua. But uh, also, yeah, they keep on finding these things, and then also later one of them sees one of these creatures and it approaches the village and it marks all of the village houses doors with like this big red splotch like this, you know, it's almost like this biblical thing. I think though in the Bible, the people with the (laughs) red blood paint didn't get the plague visited on them. So, I mean, these old timey people are probably confused. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, they really, uh, yeah, the Bible's really turned upside down in this one. Um, but this is where we get one of my, probably my favorite scene in in the in the village where, um, I don't know, for some reason or other, Bryce Dallas Howard has her hand out of the door waiting for Joaquin Phoenix to come save her when she could just shut the door. And beyond the logic of the scene, which is, I guess, this character willing to almost sacrifice herself to feel the love of this man you know uh you know if he mm-hmm. loves me he'll come so i guess the, there's logic there internal character logic it just seems kind of foolish from you know my 38 year old perspective like girl there's there's other guys you know uh, don't worry about it but mm-hmm. uh well not the village not, oh, no, <laughs> well, actually there's michael pitt there's, there's eisenberg michael, there's eisenberg I mean, it's hilarious he's great michael pitt's that, got the eyes but yeah you don't want to 
You don't want to oh, get man. stuck with an Eisenberg. The the pit the pits of it all. He's even more dour than than what, the Phoenix, which is insane. He even seems more upset and depressed all the time because they're teens living yeah. in the eighteen hundreds. So they're like, we could seriously go to malls right now. What the fuck? And uh, and they're living in the eighteen hundreds. So. She she puts her hand out and there's a creature approaching her kind of, you know, out of focus in the background. And then Joaquin Phoenix grabs her hand and it's silence. And then violin, the swell James Newton score swells up and we go into slow motion. Mm. And it's just a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful scene. There's lots of beautiful scenes in this in this movie. But that one is uh, is particularly beautiful. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But so. Unfortunately. Bryce Dallas Howard's character is like the only one who really, you know, hangs out with Noah, who is the Adrian Brody character. And so Adrian Brody's character has a bit of a crush on her. And so when Bryce Dallas Howard and Joaquin Phoenix decide to get married in like, you know, the least sexy proposal ever. I mean, the least romantic proposal ever. Like, basically, he's like, sometimes I don't like to talk. Let's get married. <laughs> good is it to tell you you are my every thought from the time I wake? What good can come from my sight? I, I sometimes cannot think clearly or, or do my work properly. What gain can rise from my telling you the only time I feel fear is others do? That is why I am on this porch, Ivy Walker. I fear for your safety before all others. And yes, I will dance with you on our wedding night. I feel like that's how every man did it in, like, you know, our parents' generation and and their grandparents' generation. (laughs) Don't talk. Just marry me. That's pretty much how it happened. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't take it well. And so he stabs Joaquin Phoenix, like, twice. And it's fucking, I don't know, it's, like, kind of disgusting. Like, he just, like, ploops the knife in there into his chest. And then Joaquin Phoenix is, like, <laughs> bleeding and dying. And well, I, everyone's I think, all freaking out. I think and... he's saying ploop because uh, because there's this kind of interesting thing that happened where the sound effect they used for him getting stabbed was so violent that the MPAA rated the movie R uh, because of the sound oh, effect. Really? Yeah, so they took that sound effect out and instead replaced it with nothing. It's just dead air. So when he turns uh, around yeah. and he looks up, it's it's a surprise to the audience. It's a, I, I feel like it's an amazing reveal because would you actually hear a knife going in that's like really sharp? Probably not. For sure. So it's... Uh, uh, you don't hear like the grunt of the force of someone shoving, and and he just kind of slides it in. It's it's really terrifying. Yeah, and I it love is. honestly the performance by Adrian Brody here is is kind of cool because he stabs him. Joaquin Phoenix falls down, and Adrian Brody goes to the door, and he's upset. He doesn't know what to do, and you can see him getting more visibly upset at what he's done. And so he just like kneels down by Joaquin Phoenix, and you're like, maybe he'll help him, and then he just starts stabbing him again and again and again. Yeah. Um, which is kind of cool. It's a cool performance. Um, it's a good performance. It's just, you know, misguided. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
But so this is bad because now he's going to die. And Bryce Dallas Howard, she just got engaged. So that's a real bummer. She's going to have to get yelled at again by some dude. No, no. So she is going to venture out into into the town, as they call them, and, you know, Boston. And uh, she's going to get some medicine for Joaquin Phoenix. And Joaquin Phoenix, he's been wanting to go out there the whole time because basically the village has been suffering from not having any modern medicine or anything like that. I mean, we don't know that it's modern medicine, but, you know, it's sort of hinted at that, like, the boy died for reasons that could be sort of easily prevented if they weren't so isolated. Also, Bryce Dallas Howard's blindness, it seems like, could have also been prevented. They sort of, like, talk about it like, yeah, if we had been elsewhere, then this wouldn't have happened. And perhaps even Noah, the Adrian Brody character's condition, might have been prevented or, you know, it might be different if they'd had access to some sort of uh, medicine. So she is going to go out there into the woods and sing a whole bunch of Sondheim songs. No, she is going to go out there and try to get get to the town and get the medicine to save Joaquin Phoenix's life. And, and at first, and I mean, this is a, a big what... deal because she's blind. <laughs> and what I love about this, Rob, is is that um, the – we're we're set up that Joaquin Phoenix is kind of this main character. We meet him first before her. We mm-hmm. he's a strong silent type. We've seen that again and again with every other M Night Shyamalan movie where like the the white straight dude is is silent and and he will be the main character for the entire movie. And mm-hmm. the so we're set up to think that. And then I feel like this is kind of the first twist and maybe the only real twist in the movie is that you know right he's almost killed and she has to go instead that you know the person who who is the person that we would expect this least from is is the is a blind woman to to do this so because it seems so hard and maybe impossible for her to so that's yeah i, I mean, found that really cool and exciting in this movie um for sure watching it yeah but i mean it's sort of like it's sort of I mean, it, it is really interesting. I mean, they don't even make her out to be like the main female character at first. Like at first you're introduced you're not even introduced to her until after Judy Greer or, or already is rejected by Joaquin Phoenix. So you actually think I mean, I assumed that her sister would be like the main character uh, mm-hmm. until, you know, it became uh, onto her. But I think the one thing about the setup that they sort of screw up is that they don't really make her very vulnerable. Like She's blind, but she has it doesn't cause her any sort of problems at all. Like she she's so capable all the time. And I think that it just sort of sets her up to be like the sort of person who is like almost empowered by their disability, like they're going to get through anything, which is Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a it's a bit weird. That's that's really interesting, because I think that the the writing in some spots tries to get to that vulnerability where she's like i'm always afraid of everything but you're not afraid of anything and he's and and joaquin phoenix says like i'm only afraid 
when I think of harm coming to you. So he's set up as like this kind of hero that's not afraid of anything. And he would be the one to go through the woods. And she's this person who's really fearful and that has to has to go. But I, and, and that's why I think, yeah. you know, the, the character is courageous because she is af- afraid and a character that isn't afraid wouldn't be courageous at all. So, it, it, you know, um, it's an interesting setup that way. But but I think what you're saying is is equally true. And maybe one of the downsides of the script is that you, when you make a character, I mean, I'm, I was about to say when you make a character with um, a different ability or disability, you also want to make them three dimensional, and you don't want to like mm-hmm. you, you don't want to say that they their whole life is affected by um, one one sense being gone or or them being in a wheelchair or what what have you. So I think there's a an impetus in writers to make that character really strong in other ways and like mm-hmm. you know um yeah, really empowered overcompensate sometimes and i think and i think this is what like ricky gervais is going against when he makes like a person in a wheelchair an asshole and in, in his shows and stuff like that like that you know people are still people beyond their abilities so i think there was a, a real tension in the script between wanting to make a young blind woman empowering but also having her be the one that needs to overcome her fear to go through the woods so yeah i I, what you're Mm -hmm. saying is totally accurate i think yeah it's like it's hard to see what like her character journey is like she should be overcoming something when she sets out into the woods not necessarily her ability to deal with her blindness but it should be like something whether it's yeah whether it's like fear or whether you know i think in the movie it's just sort of like she follows the rules and she is like a true believer in the village but there's not like it doesn't take a whole bunch of like growth or whatever to uh to go into the village to save your uh you know your fiance or whatever yeah especially from her character who seems so willing to run while blind through the woods in the first part to uh, you know adrian brody gives her things to hold in her hand and she's never scared of them she like gets surprised but she's never like you don't do that she is very um outward looking all the time so yeah i get i get what you're saying there yeah but yeah so she goes to the woods and at first she has her two pals but then they peace out of there because they are chicken and uh She's been told, actually, she's been let in on, like, the theater of the village already at this point by her dad, who, like, brings her down to the old barn that they don't use. And I'm, do do people, do people really listen to these rules? Like, oh, don't go down to the old barn that we don't use. Like, you're going to go down to the old barn that you don't use, right? (laughs) But that's where they have all of these monster costumes. And we sort of discover that... The monsters, the things that shall not be named or whatever, are a little bit of uh, theater that the elders put on in order to keep people isolated in the village. And so he tells her that it's all a farce, but it is based on legend, you know, from from a long time ago. So, you know, it could be there could be some truth to it. But so when she's going through the woods, she's scared. But I don't know. Should she be like? You know, I like I understand like, you know, like it's a big like shift in her her thinking. But like the dad's like there's no monster, you know. Well, and this is where I think M. Night kind of screws 
it up trying to go for the twist because you know he has this reveal when adrian brody when she like kind of bests him and uh uses her smarts and uh finds out that the hole that she almost fell into is right in front of her and then she dives out of the way and adrian brody falls in the hole and dies it's 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 you know we're we're shown that it's adrian brody and it's like whoa that creature that was attacking her was adrian brody the entire time i think that it would have been way better and then it's revealed that you know you go back to the to the place that he was under house arrest and he's broken out with the costume i think it would have been way Mm -hmm. better if we'd seen him broken out of the house with the costume and we knew it was him the entire time that was attacking her because we're like oh my god like she thinks it's probably the monster or whatever um or she knows it's not the monster so what is this and he's doing this to try to kill her because he doesn't want her to leave or or what have you so there's real danger there because once we know the monsters are fake then we're like oh is this just one of the elders playing a game like what's going on like if it's one of the elders they're clearly not gonna harm her but if we know it's adrian brody then her life is in danger because we've seen him kill someone or try to so i think it's kind of a missed opportunity yeah and so yeah i mean adrian brody falls in the hole and dies and then she goes back to oh she goes you know completes the journey out to the thing and there's you know, she meets this guy, this park ranger on the road, and he gets her the medicine, uh, though he is reprimanded by M. Night Shalaman himself for talking to people. You know, mm-hmm. don't do any of that talking. You're a park ranger. you got to be looking out for picnic baskets, and they're stealing them. Where are you from? What? You came from the woods. In there? Will you help me? I need to find a doctor of medicine. I must find these things. We must make haste. Listen, ma'am. I'm just supposed to... But... He gets the medicine and gives it to her, and she goes back, and yeah. And they decide the village, I mean, presumably, Joaquin Phoenix is saved, and they live happily ever after. But the village decides that Noah's death will sort of reinforce the mythos of the village, and they'll say that the creature got him, and so their way of life is saved by his sacrifice. And that makes his mom feel better, I guess. But uh, and then it just ends. That's the end of the movie. We don't get to. Uh, that's it. That's that's it. Village. <laughs> the village done. Yeah, that's it. So when we come back, we will. But we don't like to. I mean, you know, like what? Where? Why? It, does Bryce Dallas Howard is she still like into this system? Like the system. Where her husband or future husband almost died, where she lost her sight. Like, she doesn't have any, like, opposition to the system. There's no moment where she's like, hey, dad, maybe we should find another way or something like that. Does she not care? I was kind of expecting when he told her the lie for her to be like, this has to end. Like, this can't continue. Like, kids are dying. Because they don't have access to this, like medical care or whatever. I mean, he's he's told her just about the monsters and not about the the fact that the rest of the world is more advanced than they are. But like, 
I, I kind mm-hmm. of expected the entire thing to to be blown wide open uh, by her discoveries in the new world, uh, but they aren't. They this is kind of the only one of I'm not Shalomans twists where the the twist doesn't change the world at all. I mean, the twist I don't know if it's the a character. twist. It's so, so yeah, much right. Like they don't, I don't think it is he a doesn't twist. pull the thread. You know, like something should happen there. There should be some consequence of well, of her going out of the out of the village and coming back. But as far as we know, there isn't. There is just that's the end of the story. Well, that's the end of her story. Well, one of one of the readings of this movie will make that part um, make a little more sense. But you know, mm. if you choose to read it that way, yeah. Okay. So we're going to be right back with uh, some trivia for you. Those readings that I talked to you about, and maybe some all casting behind the scenes of this movie just after this break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We are talking about M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Mm-hmm. Rob, I have some trivia questions for Vu. Okay. I'm ready. Okay, Judy Greer and Bryce Dallas Howard play sisters in this movie. What other movie do they play sisters in? Whoa. Hmm. Ha. Hmm. I don't know. I get Jurassic up. World. Jurassic really? World. Really? Yeah. Ah, yeah. that I should have just picked the other thing that I know Bryce Dallas Howard from. <laughs> I know you already mentioned it. Okay, that's so, weird. Why? <laughs> I don't have answers for you, Rob. Why? I don't know. Uh, they're both <laughs> redheads. That's why. Because there's huh. a, there's a there's a there's a dearth of redheads acting in Hollywood. So, right. and Bryce Dallas Howard was in Arrested Development, I think, in the last season too. She so. was. She was. So they started weird. three things together. Which is crazy. Emily Vanderwerf of uh, Vox defends this movie by saying it's actually a brilliant allegory for this huge news item of the time. Which news item is that? <laughs> it was made in two thousand four. I'm gonna. I, mean, I don't want to say nine eleven, but is it nine eleven? Yeah, it's the Iraq War following nine eleven. So okay, so there you go, you got it. The it so what what she's saying, and, and I I really love her her article on Vox. I, everyone should check it out if they like this movie because I think you'll appreciate this movie even more after her reading. I don't think this was M Night Shyamalan's like original intention, um, but I like I like her reading nonetheless. That uh, this is about the reaction of the United States to the Iraq war. So, or to the, to nine 11. So, um, you know, everything is going to shit in the world. Everything is very, very scary. So what we're going to do is, um, we're going to, um, put up all our defenses and then 
create a, a boogeyman in Iraq when the people were from Afghanistan that did this and then go attack that boogeyman. So I kind of see that in, in here where they, you know, they, they sequester everyone in the small village. But really the allegory is about the, the abandoning of logic in the name of safety. Another way of saying it, she says, is the desire for security versus the impossibility of security, of total security. So Bush distracting from the issues in favor of putting up straw men for, for uh, or boogeymen to go into Iraq. So I kind of, I kind of see that. I like that reading of this a lot. I also think that that's the reason the ending, the ending works better for me with this allegory because nothing did change. <laughs> like even now, watching this movie. It's a it's about a whole bunch of people who are <laughs> anti medicine. They're like, We're gonna we're gonna go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. We don't wanna change and go into the future because the future right. is scary. We're we we're gonna No assume, vaccines. We're gonna issue medicine. Stop saving our lives. But then when someone's sick, they're like, Oh, just we gotta get those can you give me the vaccine now? And it's like that's not how vaccines work. So it's in the face of the vaccines, this movie does kind of mm-hmm. come to new life as well for me because it shows just how impossible it is to go back. And Yeah, but, to... you know, the anti-vaxxers would never seclude themselves in a village. If they would, then we'd probably be okay. Just go well, hole yourself up in some woods. Granted, it would probably be a Petri dish for uh, COVID's <laughs> 20 through 75, but... Yeah, I mean, they would. The, the problem is, is that they want to be all up in our spaces with uh, their unvaccinated, unmasked uh, faces. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I kind of think of, I, in, in my mind, I kind of think of them as the same people as preppers, you know, yeah. that uh, that are kind of anti-government and don't want the government telling them what to do. And, and so they, they prep and they do everything to try to get everything ready for the coming apocalypse, which is, yeah. you know the violence they see in this other world and they're going to seclude themselves from the world like a bunker. So I kind of, I kind of see the readings in that in terms of this as well. And no one's going to tell me what to do, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think, I think that reading like makes a lot of sense. I think it's fairly, I don't want to say obvious, but just in the whole like early part of the two thousands, like everything was about that. Like, right. I think that, yeah, I definitely got those vibes that it was, you know, a reaction to to 9/11 or like, you know, that the 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 crazy world, you know, that is out there. It, it's all it's all part of it, right? And yeah, and like the the scapegoating and the boogeymaning and uh all of that stuff. I just don't think I don't know. I mean, I I I still don't think that it makes sense to me, you know, and I think that the elements that are like the movie, the story of the movie as a whole. Well, I mean, like, what about the character of Noah? Why did they choose to make this guy the sort of representative of the monster? Why why, why did they make him, like, the danger from within, you know? What is, you know, that part, yeah. I think, makes everything sort of weird. Like, yeah, like... This is obviously a movie about white people holding themselves up against like other people who are different than them. But uh... yeah, well, on on that note, Adrian Brody plays a character who is different or disabled in this film, and mm-hmm. he's also the bad guy 
name two other M. Night Shyamalan films where the discs are differently abled are the villain. Well, Glass and uh, Unbreakable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get away with that one. The other one was Split. It's all in the same universe. Yeah, but, uh, it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like having the guy in the wheelchair be the, the bad guy and having the guy with personality disorder be the bad guy. Yeah, it's it was a running theme for a little while. He does play back against this in this movie with Bryce Dallas Howard's blindness. But yeah, there there is a... There is a a weird kind of theme <laughs> that emerges in some of M Night's films, while, while probably not conscious to him. Himself. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's pretty uncomfortable in this, and I do get the sense that like like he does sort of treat blindness like a superpower, like that thing where like she sees his aura or whatever. Like I think that is a yeah. I mean, it's problematic, but also like I feel like. It's supposed to have some sort of meaning. What is he trying to say that this type of person is the person who brings down the society or who almost brings down the society? What is that about, you know? Well, what is he... well I, I, I think that if you... I'll go on the defense on this movie, although I think this is a huge problem to it. I mean, <laughs> I don't think anyone can defend Brody's character too much. But I will say that you, you had brought up earlier that if they had had access to... In the movie, they had said if they had access to medicines, then maybe they could have helped Noah a bit more. And so without being a part of the outside world, they let some things that they could have done something about become larger problems that they Mm. could not deal with anymore on their own. And so, you know, if, if if you take it from that angle, it works a bit. But still, I don't think, I don't know. I just don't know of anyone that is that this character is trying to portray in the world he's he's sort of just like lenny from mice and men or george whichever one was the you know yeah it's like an uns it's an unspecified overall like mental difference that because it's so broad is a little insulting (laughs) Um, so anyway yeah so i don't i i mean i don't think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh defense of adrian brody's character in this or his acting in this um but my last question i had four my god uh, oh my M. god is in all his movies he pulls the this the hitchcock card but in this movie he is named the guy that he works with says j oh and so a letter what, just like m what other movies is j in Wait, you're saying that this character is in other movies? He is. Oh. Or a character that M. Night plays named Jay. Oh. Hmm. I don't know. I remember he was like the doctor in Unbreakable who was like, hey, you're Unbreakable. Was his name Dr. (laughs) Jay? No, no. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. He is in that kind of East Rail trilogy. What's what's weird to me is that in because he plays a security guy in the last movie, like last or whatever. So I think a lot of people are like, "Well," and he's called Jay in that one. So right. they're like, "Well," in in the universe of Unbreakable, Split, and Glass, he's a security guy. 
And he plays one in this, too, called Jay. So maybe those universes are linked. But I was like, also, he plays a doctor in Unbreakable. And he also plays a, a creep in Un- Unbreakable as well. Right? Yeah. He plays I don't know. two roles. In, he's not the doctor. I don't think he's the... Is he the doctor in Unbreakable? I thought he Does was. Does he play two roles? Um, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, too. And now we're talking out of our ass. But yeah, so I don't know if that's entirely true. But... If he is a security expert in all three of those movies, then maybe this is an earlier job he had or whatnot in the mm. M. Night Shyamalan universe. I am, like, so not impressed if all of these movies are linked, you know? <laughs> I don't I don't care about the M. Night Shyamalan universe, you know? I don't want it to be yeah. extended. It's annoying enough that these exist independently. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, well, let's get into some behind-the-scenes. Okay. A little bit. Oh yeah, they also mentioned like thoughts and prayers, like in this movie, which right? I thought was was pretty good towards that. Yeah. Time. Okay, so all casting. The first cast for this was Ashton Kutcher as Noah. Whoa. And Kirsten Dunst as Whoa. Ivan. Whoa. Okay. And Ashton Kutcher dropped out. Yeah, but good. he would have been good because he doesn't uh, wash his children, so he would have gotten that <laughs> old timey grime down. <laughs> Um, and uh, Kristen Dunst dropped out as well to do Elizabeth Town. Mm, big mistake. Not such, not such a great call. Because as much as people hate this movie, Elizabeth Town is worse. I, I, I dare you, absolutely. I dare you to come at me, internet. So this movie was also sued, or was going to be sued. Whoa! Um, by Margaret Peterson Haddocks who is an author who wrote a book okay. called Running Out of Time about a ye old village okay that was a tourist attraction where the villagers all the adults were raising the kids as if the village really existed and there was no outside world wow and then the the kids start getting diphtheria and a young girl has to leave the village in order to get medicine. Is she blind? She's not blind. Oh. And most of the book takes place in 1996, in like the real world 1996. She goes to malls. She you know, right. gets help from people uh, less in the village. And the entire thing, I'm going to ruin this book too. So if you want to read this book, don't, uh, don't earmuffs. She finds out that the entire town, the tourist attraction was just a cover. It was a cover on a cover, hat on a hat, where they were actually putting introducing diseases amongst this town of children oh, wow. to create, to then see who survived the diseases. And then those people would, were going to be allowed to procreate and create a race of people that weren't this sounds like um, QAnon shit. It's, I mean, honestly, this was written in the basement of a pizza shop. It was, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's 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 really convoluted. And if M Night did steal this and and make it, which he says he did not, he had no idea about the book. I I think honestly, the village does it better, even though people hate the village. So yeah, so that's the that's that's, but they didn't end up suing. After all, they didn't. Right. 
but uh, but there are some similarities, and people have talked about that before. Mm. But that is that is it for the behind the scenes and the trivia. Very good. You got wow. most of them right. Proud of you. Now I want to talk about Rob. The most important. This is why people come to this podcast. This is the most important thing. Did okay. you find this movie rewatchable having not watched it? Oh, Blaine. I don't know. I mean, I didn't really enjoy it. I I thought there was okay. like so much like he spent so much time on like the world building and yeah, I you know, I think the the reading makes sense. I think that it's a very like it's kind of coherent if if that's what it's going for, but I I don't enjoy watching it. Like I it's there's no fun in the movie. Nothing is really like scary. Things are like mostly weird. It's sort of it it just sort of like deflates too. Like she just goes and gets this medicine and then she comes back and then that's just the movie. Like I would have liked to like actually care about some of those characters. And or I, I would have also liked to have seen some of those like great actors doing more stuff instead of just like looking concerned and like conferring amongst themselves, you know? Like the credits are just like a a who's who's of like great performers and you know they mostly just look dour and not do anything so i don't know i mean i didn't i didn't love it maybe if i rewatch it again it'll it'll come uh, it'll feel a bit better but uh i don't know i don't know yeah what about you no, i i th- i think i think you're i think you're saying what a lot of people are thinking rob i think you are <laughs> and what a lot of people thought at the time roger ebert <laughs> this is a famously horrible, horrible review. Uh, he said, <laughs> "He said uh, the village is a colossal miscalculation. A movie based on a premise that cannot support it. A premise so transparent it would be laughable were the movie not so deadly solemn." Uh, he ends <laughs> he ends this thing by saying, um, "Uh." To call it an anticlimax would be an insult not only to climaxes but to prefixes. It's a crummy <laughs> secret and one step of the ladder from a narrative originality of it was all a dream. It's so witless, in fact, that when we do discover the secret, we want to re- rewind the film so we don't know the secret anymore and then keep rewinding and rewinding until we're back at the beginning and then get up from our seats and walk backwards out of the theater and go down the up escalator and watch the money spring from the cash register into our pockets. Wow. I think he was having a he was having a bit of fun having there. Having some fun, having some fun. He was having some fun, but I think he was speaking for a lot of people like you are now and gave it one star. But I will say that I think this movie is rewatchable. Wow. I am in a very small minority of M Night apologists, but I just find this movie so pretty to watch it's just the color science of it, the 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 way he's directed the scenes the but you know it kind of just looks the... like a deviant art sort of riff on little red riding hood and the big bad wolf you know it's like somebody combined them both into one character and that's the bad guy right yeah yeah <laughs> well, it was actually based on painter andrew wyeth most of the uh, set deck in this and okay. he does a lot of kind of old-timey paintings of people around There were some really good, like, yeah, really good, like, shots of, like, golden light inside the buildings that, like, really felt old-timey. Like, that was really impressive. I I felt like I was at Black Creek Pioneer Village. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is our old timey place in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have uh, medicine there. <laughs> no, no, I stubbed my toe and they just try to cut it off. So I understand what you're saying, Rob. I, but like, I just disagree. I really think this movie is wow. really beautiful. How I dare think you? Roger Deakins uh, does just such a wonderful job working with. I think M. Night is a pretty exacting director in what he wants. And I think Deacons just, just finds really beautiful shots throughout this, this movie. The editor, also a shout out to the editor, because I think the editing in the scene where the creature is trying to kill Ivy, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, I think is a really powerful, amazing scene. Um there's just a lot of a lot, and even M Night does a, a great job on his own movie where you know oh Ivy I don't know falls down a hole and then we get this reveal that the that the hole is like fathoms deep and then we reveal that she's not in it she's holding onto the side like there's a whole bunch where of where did this hole come from it's like a pit in a uh, in the woods like a you, you know, know this is one pit? of those you never you never just fall into a pit in the woods I mean I almost did I, I was on vacation just last week and i i was running and i was running along a, an escarpment and i wanted to see the view and i <laughs> looked out and it Were was you great dressed I, was up straddling, in a costume? I was straddling a, a kind of hole in the rocks but then when i looked down it was like four stories deep there's holes wow. in the woods. there are okay just, well, anyway I don't know. but i th- i think i think like i just think there's some great camera work great directing i think the actors really break out of the M night wooden acting here and there. I think they do a great job working with him because I think that he can, he can really ruin an actor in a movie, Mm -hmm. but I think it's well done here. And especially Bryce Dallas Howard, who has like a optimistic bubbly character, which we don't see in M night movies ever. Um, Right. So I, th- I think she she's in stark contrast to the rest of the characters in this movie. Judy Greer does a good job of that too. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, I I just I think this movie is worth a rewatch. I think there's it's the story it definitely doesn't hold water. The twist isn't really a twist. Um, I think expectations and the advertising campaign that only showed. William, like it, the red color and the creatures, and William Hurt being like, "There's a truce between us and the woods." We were expecting like this war between creatures and these villagers, and it definitely wasn't that. I think rewatching it, knowing what it actually was, and taking it for that, is is refreshing and and kind of cool. And I enjoyed rewatching this movie. But Rob, you right. saw it without the expectations of that too, because you knew the ending and you knew all the stuff, and you still didn't like it. So maybe. Maybe I'm kind of blind to that spot, but yeah, and maybe it's subjective. I don't know. Maybe it is uh, definitely. Yeah. We're we're talking about movies. It's all subjective. But I, I I'm liking that we're disagreeing on this movie a lot because I think that most people will be on your side. Hopefully, some people will be like, "Well, maybe this silly guy Blaine is right," and go check it out. And and maybe you like this movie a little bit. More all the people that will like this movie are living in isolated villages where they can't listen to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say are on the other end of this podcast, um, <laughs> <laughs> meaning me. But yeah, I will say it's rewatchable. Rob, you're saying it's not rewatchable. Now it's up to you, the listener, to come down 
and 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 break this uh, truce between. I'll break the truce. It's it's not rewatchable. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> so that's it for rewatchability this week. Thank you so much for tuning in and, uh, mm-hmm. and and for checking out our podcast. Uh, and like I said at the beginning, you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and uh, give some money there. But if you don't got the scratch, then you can tell a friend about it. That would really help us out. You can point them towards our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter. It's all at rewatchability. And you can go to our website and you can give us a suggestion for a movie on SpeakPipe. You can actually talk to us through the magic of the internet um, and suggest a movie and we'll play it and we'll we'll do the movie at some point. And yeah, and if, if you want to email us, we're at uh, rewatchability at gmail.com too. If, uh, if you have a story or something you want to share, we really like hearing from our fans. And uh, we've gotten letters from people overseas that listen to us or people that have moved to new cities that miss people <laughs> that they want to spend time with so they spend time with us instead thank you for letting us into your lot li- under your lives and and uh, spending time with us as well so uh that's it for rewatchability check us out next week uh we'll be back with another movie talk to you soon ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.